Hello, this is the Global News Podcast from the BBC World Service with reports and analysis from across the world. The latest news seven days a week. BBC World Service podcasts are supported by advertising. How can AI solve your business challenges? What's the best way to lead a new sustainability strategy? Staying ahead in your career isn't about knowing the answers. It's about finding them. Learn how to find the answers you need by studying online with London Business School's world-class faculty and industry experts. Search LBS online today. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. Hollywood Exiles, from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Katia Adler. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Global News Podcast from the BBC World Service. I host the BBC's Global Story podcast, and along with some brilliant colleagues, we bring you fresh takes and smart perspectives on what's happening around the world. For the next three weeks, we'll bring you highlights of the Global Story podcast here. But to catch all our episodes every weekday, search for The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Today, is the Republican Party's alliance with the anti-abortion movement still a safe electoral bet? In 2016, Donald Trump promised to overturn abortion protections, and he did just that. But now, after a controversial ruling in Alabama, he seems to be trying to walk a finer line. Has Donald Trump gone soft on abortion? If so, why? And does it dampen the issue Democrats believed could push Joe Biden's skeptics out to vote for him? With me today are Nomia Iqbal, the BBC's North America correspondent based in Washington, D.C. Hi, Nomia, again. It's so nice to chat to you again. And to you, Katya. And also with us, Barbara Cavallo, Director of Polling at Marist Poll at Marist College in New York. They regularly conduct political polls with major American broadcasters like NPR, PBS and NBC. Hello to you, Barbara. Hello. Very nice to, to meet you and to be with you today. First of all, just before we dive into this debate, I just wonder, just local polling, literally personal polling, the, the, the two of you, is abortion in the US something that regularly pops up into conversation between you, your family, your friends? It is an issue that comes up a lot, but with this ruling in Alabama where the state has decided that frozen embryos can now be classified as humans, it sparks the whole debate again. I'm seeing that with people that I, I speak to in my area. What about you, Barbara? Because I have to say, I mean, you know, I'm quite far away from you in Belgium, but I have two teenage daughters and they are talking about the United States and abortion. It, it's really got them and their friends talking about women's rights over their body or not. Oh, absolutely. And it is, uh, it is an incredibly intense issue here in the United States. And since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, everything has gone back to the states. 
And the states have been, particularly the red states, the Republican states have been incredibly conservative. And so as those rulings have come down and that those laws have been changed in those states, it becomes a topic of conversation that whenever you talk either politics or about the election or almost anything comes to the fore. You mentioned Roe v. Wade, Barbara. Roe v. Wade, of course, is the case that enshrined it in the US Constitution to make it legal for a woman to have an abortion. That was overturned by the US Supreme Court. Let's just go back to June 24th, 2022, when that happened. I distinctly remember being outside the Supreme Court uh, because, of course, we were covering it for the BBC. And I was just so struck by how polarizing the issue was. devastation abortion has wrought on our country on a communal level and on a personal level. I'm from the UK. I'm from a part of the world where abortion access is just, you, you can have it. It's, it's not a divisive issue in the UK in the way that so many other issues are. But in America, it was so polarizing. So you had hundreds of people outside, pro-choice groups, anti-abortion groups, and they were being separated by police. But I think what I remember very distinctly was anti-abortion group saying, this is not the end. So we are going to work up on this momentum. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep fighting and we're going to build a better world. Of course, they were celebrating the victory. It was a result of decades of work and their goal was to overturn Roe v. Wade. But they were also talking about uh, they want to see a contraception banned, medicated abortion. Basically, their message was we're not just going to pack up and go home. I think ultimately their goal is to ban abortion nationally, just to ban it outright in America, whether that's politically possible, I think that's another issue. And then for the pro-choice groups, and bear in mind, there were a lot of Republican women I met that day who had come from other states to say, my body, my choice, government, stay out of my business. And they were all saying to me, we are going to fight this at the ballot box, that this is now a major motivator for us when it comes to the elections. Now, it's really interesting, Namia, because you said that there was that really divided emotional opinion outside the court. You also mentioned the case just now in Alabama. Tell us a little bit more about that, please. And do you think it fit into those pro-life plans? Basically, the Supreme Court in Alabama decided, and this was of of a case that was brought in 2020 involving three couples whose frozen embryos were dropped by accident in a clinic. And the the court ruled that frozen embryos created through IVF are now considered children under state law. It means that lots of families and clinics are potentially exposed to criminal charges or punitive damages. Just just to remind people that might not know the sort of the details of IVF, but you have to collect as many eggs as possible, which are then fertilised. Some of those eggs would not make it after implantation in the uterus because of abnormalities or there are other health factors. And so they're discarded. But under this new law, what does that mean? Does that mean that you could be prosecuted for manslaughter? And then there are other questions. What if there's a power cut and suddenly clinics find that the frozen embryos are thawed out? Does that mean they're now open to being prosecuted for murder, manslaughter? This created so much confusion amongst clinics and more significantly, it created a backlash amongst those very people who are anti-abortion. Uh, they said to me that IVF is about as 
pro-life as you can get. Nobody understands more that that embryo is not a child more than the person that is yearning for that embryo to be a child. So you have a very divided religious constituency as a result of what happened in Alabama. Do you see this in your polling, Barbara, that it's assumed that Republicans... I mean, of course, it's a lot of individuals in the United States, but Republicans are pro-life. But actually, are they divided when it comes to life? I think overall, Americans have actually had more of a consensus on abortion. Most Americans want abortion to be legal, regardless of their political party. Now, certainly Democrats and independents uh, are more likely to hold that opinion. Um, but there was a consensus that abortion should be legal and that there should be significant restrictions to abortion. Um, but I think what has really changed the debate here are these state laws that not only have restricted abortion to just beyond sometimes the first trimester and sometimes not even during the first trimester. They have also eliminated any exceptions to those laws. So in cases of rape, in cases of incest, in cases where the life of the mother may be at stake. So that has changed the debate incredibly. And I think that perhaps Republicans have underestimated the intensity of the feeling about abortion. So let's unpack this because, of course, we are in the year of a presidential election. I think there's probably not one person on the planet that doesn't know that about the United States this year, which means that Republicans and Democrats are frantically looking at opinion polls like yours, Barbara. So let's have a look at some of um, the strategy. First, I'd like to wind back the clock to Donald Trump when he was very outspoken about overturning Roe v. Wade. Unborn children have never had a stronger defender in the White House. We know that every human soul is divine and every human life, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of Almighty God. Now, Nomia, after the case in Alabama that you were talking about, Donald Trump was very, very quick to come out in public and say he disagreed with that ruling. We want to make it easier for mothers and fathers to have babies, not harder. You know that. Like the overwhelming majority of Americans, including the vast majority of Republican, conservatives, Christians and pro-life Americans, I strongly support the availability of IVF for couples who are trying to have a precious little beautiful baby. What do you think was going on there? It was unsurprising because he clearly sensed a political backlash. He was actually on the campaign trail in South Carolina when he made the comment about supporting IVF. And I spoke to one of my colleagues who was in South Carolina covering the primary. I was in Alabama. and She told me that she asked a lot of Republican women... Uh, particularly those who support Donald Trump and what they thought of IVF. And she said every single one of them said they supported it. They believe that that you should be able to have a child at, at, in any way that you can. And so you can see why the Republicans like Donald Trump suddenly thought, oh, wait, wait a minute, IVF is something that's very popular and it, and it must be protected. I think he's trying to have it both ways in, in some respects. He has blamed conservative activists in the past on, on abortion for costing Republicans at the ballot box. But he also likes to boast about his anti-abortion legacy. When I was in Iowa for 
the primary earlier this year, the first real test of Donald Trump's hold on the Republican Party. He was running ads calling himself the most pro-life president ever. But I think on the major litmus test for anti-abortion activists, which is the support for a national ban, he's very, very non-committal. But he is politically astute. We know that about Donald Trump. And he know he knows that IVF access is something very, very important to conservative people. He sensed the wind was blowing that way. And that, that's why he came out with that, that comment, I think. Well, even if he does sense where the wind's blowing, and I'd like to get to his political team in, in just a moment... Is it fair to say he didn't sense it when it came to the midterms? The Republicans got pretty lacklustre results. Some, and Barbara, maybe you can know from your polling, blamed the Republican stance on abortion and Donald Trump's outspokenness, including on that very issue. I think Republicans have certainly underestimated the intensity of the issue and the fact that it hasn't waned. Um, there have been discussions about overturning Roe v. Wade for the last couple of, of cycles. And I don't think that until the ruling, those kinds of issues hit home. Um, we've had other issues that have been polarizing. Guns are very polarizing. Other social issues, immigration, certainly on the Republican side, is an incredibly mobilizing issue. But I think they have underestimated the fact that abortion has stayed on the political agenda with the intensity uh, that it has. And there's no question that these state legislative um, changes that have been going on are national in scope in terms of impacting voters. Um, it's not just about Alabama. It, it becomes the Republican Party and it becomes nationalized. So, Namia, what happened between the midterms and now? Because if I'm not mistaken, you did hear mutterings amongst Republicans at the time, you know, blaming Donald Trump for being so outspoken, so extreme on, on divisive issues like abortion and some kind of indicating they wish he'd just go away. And yet we hear him at the moment sounding more nuanced. He's kept away from promoting the idea of, you know, having a nationwide ban on abortion. Is this this new team that he has behind him in the lead up to the presidential elections? We looked at it on one of our past episodes, Meet Donald Trump's Inner Circle. I think trying to keep Donald Trump on message will always probably be a, a, a tricky endeavour for, for any team that, that works with him. And yes, you know, for Republicans, they had such a poor showing in the midterm elections. There were seven consecutive ballot measures, I believe, including in conservative states where voters favoured abortion rights. I remember being in Kansas uh, when they upheld abortion rights, a very conservative state that was in 2022, just after Roe v. Wade. It was seen as the first test of Roe v. Wade. For Donald Trump, it's a case of trying to articulate the message, which is going to be the challenge, because, look, there are plenty of people in this country who still believe in banning abortion, evangelicals who are a key voting bloc, you have hardline conservatives. But for Donald Trump, it's going to be interesting to see how he balances the message. I, I'm, I'm speculating here. I wouldn't be totally surprised if he tries to ignore it and focuses on other issues that Americans are really fired up about, particularly immigration. I think that's going to be a massive issue going into the election. I think he's going to obviously go on about President Biden's age as well. For the primaries, he's been, he, he knows that he's got to get the Republican voters on board. And so he has tried to sort of 
positioned himself, as I said, the most pro-life president ever. But when it comes to the general American electorate, when we get into the election campaigning, you know, if and I think he's expected to get the Republican presidential nomination, I don't know exactly what the message will be then because he will really have to balance it. So we've looked at the legal ruling in Alabama that exposed divisions in the Republican anti-abortion movement. We've chatted about Donald Trump and Republican strategy in general to kind of dance on two weddings, court the anti-abortion voters, but not alienate pro-IVF or a little bit more mainstream. Next, I want to look at Democrat hopes that the abortion issue could help swing them the election. Are they dreaming? How can AI solve your business challenges? What's the best way to lead a new sustainability strategy? Staying ahead in your career isn't about knowing the answers. It's about finding them. Learn how to find the answers you need by studying online with London Business School's world-class faculty and industry experts. Search LBS online today. This is The Global Story. We bring you one big international story in detail five days a week. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying what we're doing and you'd like to hear more, remember at the end of this episode to search for The Global Story wherever you found this podcast. And do leave us a review. With me is Nomia Iqbal, BBC North America correspondent, and also Barbara Cavallo, director of Marist Poll. Barbara, is it fair to say that the fact that the Democrats performed well in the midterms is largely, you know, many say down to the abortion issue? I think that abortion is an incredibly mobilizing issue for Democrats. The Democratic Party here in the United States is a very diverse party, and it's very difficult for them to find issues where they can have a consensus and where the significant proportion of Democrats will agree. Um, abortion is that issue for them. It makes sense for them to continue to stoke the fires of Democrats. And certainly the Republicans are uh, helping them do that as as we go from state to state. And we see a number of Republican governors and legislatures uh, with anti-abortion legislation and policy. You know, each of those decisions, each of that legislation that passes becomes national news. In Texas, Tennessee, Idaho and Oklahoma, near total bans on abortion are now in place and is a benefit to the Democrats. Most of these politicians don't even understand how a woman's body actually works. But abortion for the Democrats goes beyond the Democratic base. It goes to Republican women, suburban women who may not identify as Republicans, but identify as independents and often vote Republican. And that is a very significant swing constituency. Can it make Democrat voters who are not really inspired by Joe Biden and maybe weren't going to bother voting this time around, can it push them out to vote? So can it get new votes towards the Democrats, basically? It may not change opinions, but what it will do is it will determine who turns out to the polls. I mean, certainly Donald Trump is concerned. He has moderated his position. In fact, coming out with a proposal that perhaps abortion should be allowed up to 16 weeks. I think the Republicans speak very inarticulately about this subject. 
I watched some of them without the exceptions, et cetera, et cetera. I said, you, you, other than certain parts of the country, you can't, you're not going to win on this issue. But you will win on this issue when you come up with the right number of weeks. It's a mobilizing issue in the sense that it's going to determine whether people show up at the polls. And it's not just the president that is on the line in November. We have the entire House of Representatives. We have a third of the Senate and many local elections as well. And so I think the cost to Republicans may be on those lower ballot races that's so fascinating, Barbara, and it's, it's right. We really have to look at the bigger picture. It's tempting just to look at the two, dare I say, older boxes in the ring. What I found really interesting in Alabama, speaking to one particular woman, 32 years of age, she said to me she never talks to the press. It's not who she is. She's very quiet, likes a quiet life. She has a young son. She's trying for another baby. She has unexplained fertility. And IVF was her option and she was due to have an appointment when that ruling came down by Alabama Supreme Court. And she said to me, I'm writing letters and emails to representatives, to senators, to everybody that I can think of. And she said to me, that's not who I am. She said, my friends, my family would be shocked to hear that I am actively campaigning. She's planning to go to the Capitol as well in Alabama. And now whether or not she would go all the way and vote for a Democrat, I don't know. But I just think her story was really interesting in the sense that she said, this is the only thing I can think about now. This is the only thing I'm thinking about what, what else now could happen as a result of this decision. And it's going to be the thing that is on my mind uh, for 2024. And if you have lots of people thinking like that, I don't know how much of a difference it will make because I, I don't think Democrats should just rely on abortion ballot initiatives to help them because, you know, I mentioned Kansas earlier when voters decisively upheld abortion rights in every single case, those margins were actually driven by Republican voters, but they also voted for Republican candidates. But I just think that if you get people like the woman that I spoke to feeling this fired up, it could spell a bit of trouble for Republicans. And I I think they know that, which is why you're getting a lot of them coming out and sort of trying to draw some red lines on, on, on reproductive rights and saying IVF is fine, we're okay with that. I've had a lot of people come in my office in Montgomery and have uh, explained to me their, their situations that this is the only option they have for a family and it's in jeopardy. And it became one of those things that it became a priority because I knew that as a physician, I needed to help out and figure out a way to, you know, preserve the sanctity of life, but while still giving reasonable solutions to some difficult questions. Nobby, I wanted to ask you before we move on, you travel all around the United States as part of your job. You've been looking particularly at IVF and the abortion argument at the moment because of the ruling in Alabama. Traditionally, we think when it comes to a big election, like the presidential election or general election, in the end, it comes down to the economy and not what some might see as more side issues like abortion. What's the sense that you're getting on the ground? I think you're right there. And I, I don't know if Democrats think that abortion rights is a silver bullet for them because there's so many other issues. You're right. The economy, immigration, also the amount of money America's spending in Ukraine and Israel, all of these issues are coming up. The thing with, with abortion, it does come up. It does still come up for a lot of people because it's so personal and Getting rid of Roe v. Wade, I think, was one thing. But now seeing the sort of real world consequences 
where you've got people who are facing unexpected pregnancies in conservative states and they don't want to have those, keep those pregnancies either because it was uh, through rape or incest or it's also risking their health. You do see that that that, that is a big issue for people. So whether or not it will actually be the, the thing that decides it for them, I don't know. And of course, it all depends on the key swing states. Barbara, is abortion a significant issue in these swing states, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Nevada? Well, I think you're correct that the economy and other issues do rise to the surface. Here in the United States, uh, inflation is down. The economy is uh, certainly getting better. People are worried about it but not with the intensity uh, that they were last summer. And so as things even out a little bit on some of those issues that people generally tend to vote on, these other more social and cultural issues really come to the fore. What I'm seeing are two very significant issues, immigration on the Republican side and abortion for the Democrats. Certainly in the swing states, what makes them swing states is the fact that they have a more even balance between Democrats um, and Republicans. But certainly, probably the most significant thing is the motivation and who ends up turning out. Nomia, can we expect that you will be spending a very large portion of your time between now and November in the swing states? I think that's one of the plans. And once we work out which swing states there there will be. I think there's a general feeling, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, perhaps Pennsylvania as well. And to sort of test how people feel about a whole range of issues as well. But yeah, that's ultimately where the election is decided. But it will be interesting to see what issues matter to people. There's so much on the plate this year. I actually can't keep up with exactly what issue we think is going to be the deciding one. But yeah, the swing states is always the key place to be uh, in election year which means it's the key place for you to be. And I hope that you'll take us with us to keep us up to date as well as you go. And you too, Barbara, thank you so much, Nomia and Barbara, for sharing all those insights with us. Thanks, Katia. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. If you've got a question or you want to get in touch about this subject or any other story you'd like us to cover, send us a text or a voice note on WhatsApp at plus four four three three zero one two three nine four eight zero, or you can email us at theglobalstory at bbc.com. Remember, if you want to hear more of us on The Global Story, we release a new episode Monday to Friday. Search for The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts and subscribe. Goodbye. For just as long as Hollywood has been Tinseltown, there have been suspicions about what lurks behind the glitz and glamour. And for a while, those suspicions grew into something much bigger and much darker. Are you a member of the Communist Party? Or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? I'm Una Chaplin. And from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service, this is Hollywood Exiles. It's about a battle for the political soul of America, and the battlefield was Hollywood. Search for Hollywood Exiles wherever you get your podcasts. How can AI solve your business challenges? What's the best way to lead a new sustainability strategy? 
Staying ahead in your career isn't about knowing the answers, it's about finding them. Learn how to find the answers you need by studying online with London Business School's world-class faculty and industry experts. Search LBS online today.